Let the entrance of your word bring light. God, let your spirit move through this place like a tsunami. God, let the Holy Ghost flow from pew to pew and from heart to heart. Father, we will be obedient and we will do what you've called us to do and we will say what you've called us to say. But Lord, it means absolutely nothing if no one responds to you and say, what must I do to be saved? So God, I pray that you save someone today. Let somebody come to you today. And God, we bless you. We will not wait till we see it or feel it, but we'll praise you in advance. In Jesus' name, clap those hands one more time and give God the praise. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Certainly we are honored of the Lord to be in this capacity once again to share with you the heart and the mind of God. I don't take opportunities like this for granted, but I'm grateful for this time to share with you in the word of the Lord. I, I will get right into the word of God, but I do honor my pastor and I honor the first family. Can we celebrate our leader? Amen. And I do honor my wife. and I thank God for her. First Samuel 17. First Samuel chapter number 17. Allow me just to make this statement before I move into the word. And I promise you we will be obedient to what the man of God has established. But the Lord put something in my spirit on my way here. Um, even traveling in the air last night. Um, we arrived here around midnight last night and I couldn't sleep um, because I could not wait to do what the Lord told me to do and to share with you what God gave me. But at the beginning of this year, I was given the crucial task by our pastor to deliver the word on Vision Sunday. And the word that the Lord gave me uh, to tell you was entitled, I will, meaning that God would fulfill his promise towards you. Now, needless to say, this is the third opportunity that the Lord has allowed me to grace this pulpit during this year, during another critical moment. This is important because three, the number three, in biblical numerology is a manifestation. Stay with me. I'm already preaching, honestly. Three in biblical numerology means manifestation. Sun, moon, stars, morning, afternoon, evening, father, mother, child, outer court, inner court, holies of holies, father, son, spirit. This is the first Sunday of the last three months of this year, which is the final quarter. The first prophetic word that the Lord gave me to tell you in this message is that he's about to manifest some things in your life before the year is over. And if you have relentless faith, relentless faith, and trust him, he will shift your testimony from he will to he did. Amen. 
And for some of us, we can already testify God's already did it. It's already done. Now, the second message the Lord gave me, which was during the Saturday night life service, was the, the pregnant decision. A pregnant decision. And I dealt with how David made a crucial decision to achieve a mission that would shift the entire trajectory of a nation's future. You see, his decision was pregnant with a nation's deliverance. Now, so, for the first time in 19 years of ministry, the Lord has caused me to revisit a text in the same place twice. Never have I done this before. So the Lord said, son, go back to 1 Samuel 17. And that's where we will find the mind of God today. 1 Samuel chapter 17, just two verses, verse 38 and 39. The Bible says, and Saul armed David with his armor, and he put a helmet of brass upon his head. Also, he armed him with a coat of mail. And David girded his sword upon his armor, and he essayed to go. For he had not proved it. He had not proved it. And David said unto Saul, I cannot go with these. For I have not proved them. I have not tested them. And this is what I want. So David put them off him. He put them off him. For the next few moments, I have been instructed by the Lord to share with you these words. Take it off. Just send the word down your roll and tell them, take it off. Take it off. My assignment from God for you today is to unlock the door to your future by reminding you of what God declared concerning this moment in time we're standing in right now. Our pastor shared with us back at the beginning of this year that 2019 is the year of God's accomplishment. Yeah, yeah. Allow me to explain what this means. Allow me to explain what this means. Uh, the Lord showed me something that I, I need to revisit. Now, it, it's nothing new. It's nothing new, but I feel the need to share this principle that I've shared before because it will help us for where we're going. What is this principle? Every promise from God must produce a performance. I need you to catch that in the spirit. I'll repeat it one more time. Every promise from God must produce a performance. Let me prove it to you. Come here, Isaiah. If Isaiah could 
take the witness stand briefly, he would share with us that he received divine insight from God concerning the functionality of his word. In fact, it is in the 55th chapter and the 8th through the 9th verse that Isaiah records what God spoke to him. Here's what God told him. My thoughts are not your thoughts. <laughs> Neither are my ways your ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts than your thoughts. What is God saying? He is emphasizing his sovereignty. Only he functions from a dimension of creativity that creation cannot comprehend. But notice how he shifts from thoughts in verse 8 through 9 to word in verses 10 through 11. Don't miss it. Why? Because remember what we learned in grade school. I've shared this before. Every word is a direct derivative of a thought. You can think a thought and not speak it as a word. But you cannot speak a word without first thinking of it as a thought. So God says now, since you understand the operation of my thoughts and ways, let me explain how it relates to my word. So what does he do? He makes another comparison. For as the rain cometh down and the snow from heaven and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth and maketh it, maketh it bring forth and bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth shall not return unto me void. But here it is. It shall accomplish that which I, don't miss that, what, that which I please. And it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. What is this, friend? This is the functionality of God's word. In verse 10, the word is likened to water. And snow, rain and snow. When rain and snow come from heaven, they do not return. The word of God, once it is sent out, cannot be taken back. No, 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 no. It can't be taken back. That is why it is impossible. I don't care what other people say. It is impossible for God to lie. If at any moment he lies, no matter how big or small, black or white, whatever kind of lie it is, at any moment if he lies, he ceases to be God. Let me teach this for a minute. Anything God says he will do, he's legally obligated and bound 
according to the governmental order of the kingdom in which he presides as king to bring it to pass. Now you have to grasp that in order to understand what comes next. Notice, the text goes on to say that the rain and the snow water the earth and makes it, it makes it bring forth and bud that it may give seed to the sower. The word has not only the capacity, but it has the responsibility to ensure that the soil of your life is conducive for birthing life. And once life in the seed begins to break forth in the ground of your life, the word forces the ground to bring forth and flourish so much. It causes the seed to bring life And as that stem, as that flower, as that tree breaks forth out of the ground, it flourishes so much until it places you in the position to feed everyone else around you. But friend, in verse 11, God makes it clear that now that we know how the word functions... Realize also that it is housed in my mouth. But the moment I speak it out, it's sent on an assignment. And once the word is sent on an assignment, it cannot return to me with the report that it was a failed mission. But when it leaves my mouth, the word, it carries productivity. The word carries creative miracle working power. And it has to do what pleases me. It has to do what makes me happy. Okay, okay, okay. I'm sorry. I know you thought that God sent the promise to make you happy. But baby, this thing is bigger than you. God refuses to let where you are embarrass him as God. (laughs) No, no, no. When God allows something to happen, it's to reveal a side of himself that would not have been made known unless that situation occurred. You see, God delights in the fact that we need him. Because it brings glory to the nature of who he is as God. That's why the scripture says it pleased the father to bruise him, him being Jesus. So God says the promise I give you has to accomplish the mission because I refuse to allow failure to be attached to my name. But there's one more part because the scripture goes on to say, God said, the word will prosper in the environment I sent it to. Why in the world does this matter? Friend, I'm glad you asked. What this means is it doesn't matter how 
It doesn't matter how dilapidated, how crazy, how ugly, how jacked up your environment is. If God has sent a word there, it will shift your environment into a fertile place. The word has enough power to make your environment work for the word. So, so let me get this out of me. I got to get it out of me. Now, some of you, I'm sure, are asking why have I taken the time to share all of this with you? Well, I've done so to help you see what it means when the man of God stood here to declare that this is the year of God's accomplishment not accomplishment God's not your accomplishment God's God's not yours God's not yours God's accomplishment You see, according to the governmental order of the kingdom, the governmental, the governmental order of the kingdom, God as the king is legally obligated to make good on every promise he's made. However, the Lord, as I prepare to bring this to a close, the Lord revealed something to me in the weeks leading up to this service that there's another side for us to be made aware of. While it is true that God will accomplish his word, the conduit in which he will use to bring it to pass is you. Yeah, yeah. Friend, the Lord, the Lord shook me because he said, Cameron, there are some things that have remained only as an idea. Because there are some who have not postured themselves to be in a position for me to work miracles through their hands. I'm sorry because I have a word that will disappoint some of you because you have been begging God by asking the question, Lord, when you going to do it? Lord, when you going to bring it to pass? Lord, do you hear me? Uh, why hasn't it happened yet? Friend, the Lord spoke to me specifically and told me to tell you that in this season, what you're looking for God to do will not happen without you your yes yeah 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 it won't happen without your yes because it is up to you to be a willing vessel for purpose to work through in order to fulfill this next move of god hear me in the holy ghost the longer you delay your yes a generation may die without seeing the glory of God revealed in the earth. So while I was sitting in meditation a few weeks ago, the Lord said, son, go back to 1 Samuel 17 and said, look again. Now time will not allow me to retrace the events leading up to this moment. But it's important to point out that here in the text, there has been a shift in the life of David.
He is given a mission. He's given a mission. He's given a mission by his father to fulfill, which was actually an assignment from God in disguise. Yeah, he thought he was going for one reason, but he did not realize at the time it was God in it the whole time time. The reason why doors are opening, the reason why God is leading you into new ventures and avenues is because God is in it working out details to bring you into your expected end. Yeah. Notice if you will, David didn't ask for it. He was sent. And when he arrives on the scene, he's met with the spirit of limitation among an army which was generated by fear within a king. Well, the moment David picks up the frequency of fear that's moving in the atmosphere, he starts bombarding the atmosphere with reckless faith, like attack in the spirit. He starts antagonizing the antagonist. Lesson number one, never let the spirit of the environment distract you from remembering who you are and who you belong to. Yeah, yeah. You have to remember your God's anointed. Yeah, when you show up, you bring God with you. When King Saul got word of what David was saying, he sent for him. Uh, to make a long story short, David uh, doesn't change his language just because he's in front of a king. The faith that David had in his God caused him to stand in boldness before authority. Listen, I've come uh, today uh, uh, for the juggler. I've come for the juggler today because I've come up in the spirit to break the neck of intimidation. For too long, hear me, you better hear me in the spirit. For too long, many of us for the last five to ten years have been facing opposition with a spirit called intimidation. You are fully aware of what God anointed you to do. But the moment you stood before authoritative figures, your confidence diminished because you were made to feel inadequate for the assignment that you didn't ask to fulfill, but was chosen by God to fulfill. Hear me today in the spirit. Gone are the days where you back down to another man or woman. Gone are the days of you feeling like your uniqueness and your difference isn't enough. Gone are the days of you seeking validation or permission for an assignment God told you to do. God said it's over. You better move and do what God told you to do. King Saul looked at David and said, you're a kid and this giant has been training in the art of war 
since he was a kid. But David had to educate Saul. He said, yes, I may be a kid in your eyes, but I have history with God. I need you to see this in the spirit, saints. Saul calling David a kid spoke to something deeper than just his youth. What he was telling David is you don't hold the rank or the caliber of a soldier. You're an outsider and you're not familiar with protocol. You haven't grown up in this. You're not familiar with this culture. Uh, You haven't put your time in. You're just a boy with ambition but you don't have any business being here. But what Saul failed to realize, it wasn't ambition driving him it was his faith in God. And the reason his faith was so strong is because he's seen God perform before. I need you to put a praise on it right there because you've already seen God performed before in your life hold on I, I, I gotta get this word out I gotta get this word out understand David may not have been trained in the art of war but he was still a warrior he was trained to fight he wasn't trained to fight with a sword he was trained to use his hands lesson number two don't let anyone minimize your gift just because it's not packaged like everyone else No. What God gave you is different by divine design. God doesn't want you to fight like everyone else. Let them use a sword. I know how to use my hands. He's taught my hands to war and my fingers to fight. If no one else will fight, then I'll do it myself. When Saul heard this, I'm almost done. I'm almost done. Stay with me. When Saul heard this, he was persuaded. But with good intentions, he placed his armor on David. He placed his armor with good intentions on David. When David put it on and prepared to go forward and fight, something shifted in him. Something, something didn't feel right. Notice, if you will, that through the entire text, David is confident. He's bold. He's courageous. But for the first time in this very moment, we are introduced to an unsure David. (laughs) What happened? David's confidence where in the world did his faith go the moment he puts on Saul's armor he feels more than the weight of the armor but when he put on the armor he felt the weight of fear living in a man who was too afraid to wear the armor himself Lesson number three, which is the final word. There is an entrapping spirit from the adversary that has caused the spirit of fear. I know what I'm talking about because I've had to live through it for the last 10 years. 
the spirit of fear, my wife is my witness. Anxiety, panic, stress, worry, disappointment, and depression for far too long. The spirit is called do it my way. Do it my way. It is a device used by the adversary to stifle and destroy a generation from operating in their creative gifts and unique anointing. Listen, the limitations you feel are birthed from unfulfilled expectations that others had and it didn't work for them. On the other hand, you feel the pressure. I know what I'm talking about. I've had to carry this for too long. I know what I'm talking about. You feel the pressure to do something a certain way that worked for another assignment and another generation. But what God is requiring of you in this season will be history making. However, it cannot happen while you're wearing Saul's armor. It won't happen. This is why, and I'm done, I'm done. This is why the Lord had our pastor to declare back at the very beginning of this year that it was crucial for us to reset. You see, when something is reset, it is set again. That person or that thing must return to its original state. In other words, when there is a reset in our lives, God causes us to return to the original idea that he had in mind when he created us. Here it is. David arrived on the, th on the scene. He was confident. He was bold. But the moment he put on Saul's armor, he felt the pressure to perform in a way that wasn't him. Something that was outside of what God anointed him to do. I've been sent here to release the second and the very last prophetic word of this message to pastor and to all of those who will catch this word and claim it for yourself. As I speak to him in the spirit, I'm speaking to you. Pastor, it is not a coincidence or an accident that you have been in this metamorphosis. You've been very transparent with us about how God has changed you and how you've had to reconsider areas in your life and spiritual walk where it was ingrained in you to think a certain way. That is God showing you that for a long time you have been wearing the expectations of others that you were never created by God to wear. You've always been an outsider. You've always been a rebel.
And for so long, it seemed as though these were negative terms, but they never were because you understood your anointing demanded for you to be different. I said your anointing demanded. It did not give you a choice or an option. It demanded for you to be different. But as I am a man of God and a servant of the Lord, I promise you it's a new day. I prophesy in this place, Bethel, it is a new day. The moment. The moment David put on Saul's armor, he felt the weight of the pressure to perform. Hear me. The moment he put on the weight of Saul's armor, he felt the pressure to perform in a manner that wasn't him. Yes, God wants to use me, but not like this. David had to speak up and recognize this doesn't work for me. I haven't proven this. I have no experience with this. I can't wear this. This armor is knocking off my rhythm. I can't flow in this. So what do you do when someone else's armor doesn't work? There's only one thing you can do. Take it off. God said, son, tell me through their hands, not with your sword, with your hands. But it can't happen while they have on Saul's armor. The Lord said, tell them, take it off. I'm leaving this pulpit. But before I leave this pulpit, I need everyone that claims this word as your own. To stand up on your feet right now. I'm going to do this and I'm going to give the mic away. I need you to follow me in the spirit. I want you to demonstrate in the natural. What you've heard God told you to do in the spirit. I want you to imagine the weight of the expectations of others to fulfill an assignment that cannot happen in that way. I want you to feel the pressure to perform in a capacity that is not in the lane of your anointing. Goliath, we talk about how negative this giant was. But Goliath was a, was a God-sized idea. It was a God-sized idea because it was an opportunity for God to show a nation who's really God, who's really in control. But God said the only way it can be revealed is through your hands. But you can't go in Saul's armor. You can't go in someone else's expectations. You can't go in someone else's ritualisms and routines and dogmas and traditions. God is calling you to something new right now. I want you to grab it in your hands and when I count to three I want you to take it all off one two three take it off 
take off depression take off anxiety take off the pressure to perform take off the expectations of someone else and walk in your anointing be your unique self be who God's called you to be where God is taking you is to a place that requires your anointing take it off Zion take it off Zion I command that spirit to come off of you in the name of Jesus. Take it off. I decree and declare the freedom of the Lord. I decree and declare the peace of God. I decree and declare the strength of our God. I decree and declare the boldness of God. I decree and declare the divine performance of God that shall be revealed revealed through your hands. And if you know God cannot lie, release a sound of worship in this atmosphere.